Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 330. Happy Thanksgiving! I'm lucky enough to be spending this Thanksgiving on board Oasis of the Seas, and this week, I'm once again digging deep into the email inbox that podcast listeners have sent in to answer as many Royal Caribbean questions as I can. Here we go. We are recording this episode live from the Central Park neighborhood on Oasis of the Seas. I got to tell you guys, when it comes to recording podcast episodes, if I can do it on a cruise ship, it's pretty darn good. A lot of fun. So uh, here is this week's episode. We're going to be answering your questions. And if you want to send me a question to be answered, whether I answer it back at home or on a cruise ship, be sure to send it to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Mark writes, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and found them to be well done and enjoyable. Thanks for all your efforts. In May of this year, I did my first Royal Caribbean cruise on Anthem of the Seas. It was great. We've been on Celebrity Summit twice before. My comparison is that Royal Caribbean is much more to do. Food and service staff were very good. Celebrity was less going on, quieter, more relaxing. Food on Summit was even better, and their service was also better. A very relaxing cruise. I might go on Celebrity again, but the cruise market is strong. They sell Celebrity as a premium brand, and the price is much higher than Royal Caribbean. In 2015 and 2018, I found that great deals on Summit to Bermuda. They are not as good deals now. I'm happy on Royal Caribbean, and will continue going with them. I can do more for less money. Now on to my question. When they refurbish Oasis of the Seas, will they switch to RFID C-Pass and WOW bands? We, and many others, had problems with Magnetic Strip C-Pass cards on the Celebrity Summit. Had to get two new ones on a seven-night cruise. On Anthem, which had RFID, C-Pass, and WOW bands, was flawless. Never had a single issue. I understand Royal Caribbean wants to extend WOW bands to all ships. I'm assuming that that would also entail RFID, C-Pass at the same time. With WOW bands, crews and parents quickly find missing kids, etc. It's a great security upgrade. Thanks. Have a great day. Uh, Mark, thanks for the email. So, yes, they did upgrade the all the doors on Oasis of the Seas to be RFID. So instead of having the magnetic strip, like on like the back of a credit card as an example, uh, it's RFID. So all you do is take your C-Pass card or your WOW band and place it nearby the door, and boom, your door opens. If you're charging things, same basic idea. Uh, this is a, I mean, I agree with Mark that it is a really nice upgrade, if you will, to be able to do that because it allows you to make things a little seamless, more seamless, and more importantly, to Mark's point, there's less of the issue of your card getting demagnetized because it's impossible for your card to be demagnetized. It's not a magnetic strip. So absolutely, uh, Mark, it's, it's been upgraded. And there are wild bands. I was really surprised to see that on Oasis. I really didn't think they were going to be doing that. You know, Mark said they want to expand wild bands to the entire fleet. That's not my observation. I think wild bands were something that originally they would have liked to have done. If we were going back to about 2014 when they first debuted with with uh, Quantum of the Seas. But I kind of feel like these days, it's not the case. Next, we have an email from Eric Chow. Right? We have two kids, five and a three-year-old, both boys. Uh, both of whom are pretty heavy. The eldest is almost 45 pounds now. Um, also, we need to bring a stroller on board. The problem is it can't be those lightweight strollers because of the weight capacity we need to accommodate. Do you have any tips or suggestions on this issue? Also, will the stroller fit under the bed, or where can we store them in our tiny stateroom with a virtual balcony? Eric, that's a good question. You know, if you have a smaller stroller, yeah, you can fold it and put it underneath. There are some more expensive strollers that are still have a small profile. It's not to say that if you, I understand what you're saying, you can't get one of those little, you know, cheapo, uh, you know, Walmart strollers that are once and done kind of things. I understand that. But you can fit, I would say, a small to... Eh, sort of mid-range stroller underneath the bed. The key is it's got to be as 
small as possible. And they make some that are obviously not as cheap, but they are small nonetheless because they're made of higher quality uh, materials, you know, more durable uh, metals. If, and I'm not going to pretend to know which ones those are, but they do offer those. That's your primary option. And you can fit, again, some strollers. You're not going to be able to fit like the double, super wide, um, you know, those giant strollers that can fit like two or three kids in there. You know, it's really you're talking about the height profile more than anything because the clearance from the ground to the beginning of the bed is pretty narrow. Imagine essentially a piece of luggage. That's the kind of, you know, vertical clearance we're talking about here. So it's not very high. If you can't fit it, you're going to the place where I've always stored my my stroller when we had kids and we brought them on board and we wanted to bring a more durable stroller is you just simply put it in the walkway between the door and the bathroom. So like when you walk in the in your room, usually the bathroom is on your left or on your right and you just put it over there. Yeah, it's in the way, but that's the, you know, but then you have the stroller, right? It's 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 it's, you know, it goes both ways, I suppose. And that's really the best idea I have. If you had a real balcony, not a virtual balcony, you could st stick it over there. That's another good idea as a place to not take up as much space. But if you're in a virtual balcony, you gotta make the best you got with what you have, right? And go from there, so. Next, we have an email from Peyton Bueller writes, Matt, my wife and I can, next email is from Peyton Bueller writes, so my wife and I convinced some friends to join us on an 11 night Southern Caribbean cruise on Serenade of the Seas over Thanksgiving break. We're, we're excited to get away, explore the various ports of call, and spend a little bit of time relaxing. 11 nights may seem like a long time to some, but after several seven-night cruises, I'm ready to go for longer and enjoy more time for everything. Because the cruise itself exhausted a large percentage of our travel budget, we're trying to be economical on our excursions. Our preference is to do things that we can either find locally or for a relatively low price. Do you have any recommendations for inexpensive things to do in ports like Ponce, Puerto Rico, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, Grenada, Barbados, or Antigua. Thanks. You know, this is a really common question. People are always looking, you know, hey, I want to do something, but I want to break the bank, right? In a lot of ports, you can simply walk off the ship and walk around on your own. It's a decent excursion to do. You know, there's usually a dock in some sort of a town or a city, if you want to call it that. And, you know, you've got shopping, you've got dining, you've got some, you know, maybe even some cultural entertainment, like a museum or something of that nature. And... You know, it really depends on the port. As an example, St. Lucia and Castries, where you dock there, there's nothing. <laughs> there's a little bit of a fake little port town there where you dock, and that's it. But in other places, uh, you know, St. Kitts has a pretty large port area you dock in. Um, you know, uh, Barbados had a little bit of something going on. I mean, it's very inexpensive to simply hop in a cab and go somewhere. That's always a good standby for almost any port you're visiting. In fact, I would recommend that over any tour you're going to find through Royal Caribbean, even in one of those like, you know, uh, city tour when you go on a hop on a bus and do the same thing. Usually, and since you're going with a, a group, you got friends of you going, you know, I'm assuming that's at least four people. You're probably better off just simply hopping in a cab and going, you know, downtown or to a, a, a nice area or just simply going to the beach. You know, in a lot of cases when you're going to these ports, you're in Southern Caribbean, the beaches are really the destination there. You've got usually uh, very inexpensive access to the beach. As an example, in Antigua, if memory serves me correctly, the beaches, there's like all, all the beaches are public. So you can go to any of them. The question is, you know, do you want to go to one that has like, you know, umbrellas or drink service or things of that nature? That's a different story. But it's also relatively inexpensive to simply hop in a cab, go to the beach. And maybe on one or two of those days, like if I was going to skip one port to save money, it would definitely be St. Lucia. If memory serves me correctly, and it's been a number of years since I've been to St. Lucia, but the last time I was in St. Lucia, 
I remember the taxi cost to go somewhere was extremely expensive. Whereas in other ports we visited, it was more reasonable. So, you know, don't be afraid to also say, you know what, today we're going to take it easy and stay on board the ship, enjoy what the ship has to offer. Uh, I know it, even to me, it, it, it hurts a little bit inside. It's almost like, oh man, I came all this way and I'm going to go sit at the pool and, and, and order, you know, Royal Caribbean priced drinks. Sometimes you do it. It's, it's not the end of the world by any means, as long as you are getting off in some of the other ports and prioritizing, especially when you're on that budget, to make sure that it, that it works out there. So, yeah, if I were you, I would simply, if you're docking in a, if, if your ship goes to a, a port in which you're right downtown, you know, you're right in the city, you can easily walk there, do that. Just walk around, enjoy that. But taking a taxi to the beach, especially in the Southern Caribbean, man, that is definitely the way to go right there. Next up, we have an email from Susan who writes, I'm cruising out of Tampa this April on Brilliance of the Seas. It's our first time on Royal Caribbean. What are some fun things for kids on the ship? My girls are six and nine years old. Any other tips for first-timers on Brilliance? Susan, I love Brilliance of the Seas. I'm going back on Brilliance in January, and it'll be like my, I don't know, fifth time on her. Going out of Tampa, my goodness, it's a great place to go cruising. Really, really nice. So, a couple tips I want to share about Brilliance of the Seas. You know, number one, when it comes to the kids' stuff, what to do. Number one, you should be looking at Adventure Ocean. Adventure Ocean is kids' programming. It's complimentary. My kids really enjoy going to Adventure Ocean. It provides them things that they want to do, whether that's arts and crafts, whether that's organized games, whether that's mo watching movies together. It, it, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's, it's kid, not only kid-friendly, but it, it's kid-focused programming. And I really feel like that's going to be the focal point for any kid experience on board. Now, in addition to that, you've also got the pool. And there's a great main pool on Brilliance of the Seas. There is a water slide towards the back of the ship. It's a little more juvenile. Your six-year-old will probably enjoy it. Your nine-year-old will probably find it a little too kitty. Um, this is a water slide they added, I mean, way back in the day before Royal Caribbean really doubled down on water slides. So it's a very much, it's a juvenile slide. So as an adult, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at it as an option. But I know a lot of kids do enjoy going on those. And, you know, that's a good sea day activity, certainly, to, to do there. Um, Beyond that, when we're talking about Brilliance of the Seas, you've got the rock climbing wall, always a fun activity there. There's going to be different activities, events. Uh, check the cruise compass. Uh, one of the things you can do, Susan, is check past cruise compasses from Brilliance of the Seas to get an idea of activities. One of my favorite th recommendations is anybody who's going on a ship they've never been on, whether it's your first cruise or not, is look at a past cruise compass. It will give you an idea of the sort of activities you can expect on your sailing because they, Royal Caribbean doesn't like you know reinvent the wheel every single cruise. They're not like, ooh, you know, here's a new four-night sailing. Let's completely come up with brand new activities. No, they just copy and paste it from the last four-night cruise. And so I feel like if you do that, you can, you know, at least uh, get an idea, a ballpark idea of what to expect. Especially, even there might be things you wouldn't even realize were offered on board and give you a better idea of what to expect. So there you go. And, of course, shameless plug, we do keep an archive of past cruise compasses over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our next email is from Sharon Stockman, who is a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider. Thank you, Sharon, for your support. And Sharon writes, I listened to the blog uh, about it, but thought you could go over the numbers with fellow cruisers. If you're Diamond Plus or Pinnacle, you receive the same benefits as the key offers, except for internet, launch at chops on boarding day, carry-on luggage drop-off, and some set-aside special times for activities. Here are the numbers based on a recent cruise on Allure of the Seas. 
for December 22nd, 2019 for two people. The internet costs $420. Internet is $167.86. Lunch shops, 50 bucks. Total cost for a luggage drop-off and special non-convenient times for sports-related activities would be costing about $202.14. People with the key cannot jump the Diamond Plus and Pinnacle members in line, verified by the loyalty desk at Royal Caribbean I call today. I think this will explain it in better, and people will know that they would actually be getting for the key. Don't remember the benefits for other loyalty levels, but with this layout, people can check their benefits and then figure out if it'd be a good deal for them. Keep up the very informative blogs and videos. I'm loving them since I discovered them. Some of some very interesting material, even for seasoned cruisers like myself. Number 18 on Allure of the Seas coming up in December. The other thing I wanted to mention was the Club Royale Casino Junkies. If you're a member, invitation only, you can get free drinks at the casino bar when they're open. Might want to take into consideration before purchasing an alcohol package. I get the Royal Refreshment Package, and if I want an adult beverage, I go to the casino bar after it opens. Saves me a ton of money. I like spending money in the casino. Sharon, thank you for the email. Great uh, analysis, by the way, and I do agree. I mean, the Club Royale, I don't usually mention the casino benefits. And the reason why, as, as like, you know, a, a cost savings kind of thing for, for people on here, the reason why I don't mention it is because it's something that requires you to gamble quite a bit. Or early substantial amount. You're not spending 20 bucks on the slot machine and you're in and getting free drinks, right? This isn't like Las Vegas. You've got to invest a little bit of money in the casino in order to get something out of it. So, obviously, yes, to Sharon's point, hey, if you're a gambler and you enjoy going to the casino regularly and spending some money there, yes, there are some great benefits that you should be taking advantage of. So, point taken. Now, let's go back to the key here. And I think what Sharon is, is saying here is, you know, as an example, she's the Diamond Members and Crown and Anchor Society to quantify really what you're paying for on a seven-night cruise for two people if you're a Diamond member. You know, I often tell people when it comes to the key, number one, if you, to, in order to get the key or if it's worthwhile, I tell people, look, if you're not very high in Crown and Anchor Society, below Diamond, number two, if you're staying, you know, if you're not staying in a suite, and number three, you were already going to buy the internet anyway, regardless of the key or not, then the key can make some sense to, to, to purchase, right? But no matter what, the key is always going to be a splurge. The same way that if you go, you know, uh, to buy an airline ticket and you you can sit there and say, oh, you know, booking a first class ticket makes a lot of sense because A, B, C, D, and E. But at the end of the day, you're booking it because you want a splurge. You want something nicer. You want to have easier access. You want to make your life better, easier, simpler, whatever, how you want to justify it. That's what the key is all about right there. It's a splurge. The key would never be, fall, at least in this current form, does not fall into what I would consider to be necessary or required or a mistake if you don't get it. I think it really is just a really nice thing to to do, to have if you can afford it. If you can even like, you know, to to Sharon's point here, hey, if you got, you know, the key costs $420, the internet, you know, is gonna cost you $167. So, you know, if you got the extra money to spend, it's not a bad idea to do that, you know, and it's it's not gonna break the bank per se. But it's also not 20 bucks either. It's it's a decent a little investment there. So, Jared, thank you for the email. I really appreciate it, and I hope that this also helps some other folks consider maybe uh, if they if it's a right choice for them. Next is an email from Mark Ambruster, who writes just a quick email to tell you how much I'm enjoying the Royal Cream Blog podcast and the cornucopia of information you gladly disperse. I started listening back in 2018, and I'm now addicted and have zero desire for a cure. <laughs> it's because of this podcast and the considerable fan base that Royal Caribbean has that has my very first cruise ever will be an Eastern Caribbean cruise on Symphony of the Seas next month, departing November 30th from Miami. Um, I've gotten so intrigued with the ships that 
The Royal Caribbean offers that my youngest and I have decided to cruise every one of them. Of course, that means I'll have to shoehorn a sailing on Grandeur of the Seas before it departs the fleet in 2021. Have you sailed on all the ships? Also, what do you know if Royal Caribbean plans to update all the remaining ships to water, support water slides? I find it curious that the Quantum class ships, at, at the very least, contain zero slides, as these ships are among the most technologically advanced ships in the fleet. Mark, thanks for the email. I have not been on every ship in the fleet. Um, I've not been on Voyager, Liberty, Empress, um, Vision, Grandeur, Spectrum. There's, so there's still a fair amount of ships out there. I think I've gotten on more recently. I'm probably now on like, you know, maybe I've done like two thirds of the fleet. But no, there's still a couple of ships out there, either because regionally it's almost impossible for me to get there. Like, as an example, Spectrum of the Seas, you know, being in China, that's just not practical. And then, um, you know, you've got other ships, Grandeur out of Baltimore, which just, I just never get up there, really. So I haven't been on Grandeur of the Seas, um, but it's it's kind of an interesting idea. Um, and in terms of the water slides, so there is no formal or announced plans to add water slides to all the ships in the fleet, quantum class or not. The interesting thing about um, the, the amplification, the upgrades is, you know, it, it's definitely targeting certain ships for these enhancements, if you will. But in a lot of cases, it may be impossible to do so, or the ship is simply too old. So as an example, we met, we talked about Brilliance of the Seas or even Grandeur of the Seas. And Grandeur's a bad example because she's already out of the fleet pretty soon. I don't expect to ever see water slides on them beyond that kitty slide I mentioned on that the Radiance class has. In terms of the Quantum class, you know, it is interesting they don't have water slides on there. I mean, obviously, you know, Quantum of the Seas was... Uh, designed and built in a time before water slides were really big on Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean never really got into the water slide business until very recently with Harmony of the Seas, right? Um, Harmony and Liberty, you know, we're talking about a couple of years ago. Prior to that, it was almost an anomaly in, in the grand uh, course of the cruise industry that there were no um, there were no water slides on a Royal Caribbean ship. You know, Norwegian, Carnival, they all have water slides, right? And even Disney. So it's you know, kind of odd that Royal Caribbean never had it. I, I don't have any insight as to why that was the case one way or the other, but, you know, it is here now, and retrofitting a ship with a water slide is no simple task. You need space for it. That's the bottom line. And on a cruise ship, when we're talking about space, there's not a, usually a whole lot of ample space out there. As an example, I'm sitting in Central Park looking up at the water slides here uh, on Oasis of the Seas, and they got lucky because they have the water slides footprint primarily goes over Central Park. So there is like, you know, obviously the superstructure, the supporting beams are on the pool deck, but a lot of the space it takes up uh, vertically is goes over um, Central Park. So you gotta, you can get a little bit of a cheat there, if you will. On a quantum class ship, I mean, they've got other things going on. I mean, they, yes, they don't have water slides, but they also have ripcord by iFly. They have North Star, right? So yeah, they don't have water slides, but they also make up for it in other signature activities. And in a lot of cases, the Quantum class was also... I, people say it was designed for cold weather. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But anyway, it certainly enhanced or, or um, has certain features that make it more conducive for cold weather cruising, right? Uh, the classic example is, um, you know, the fact that they're, the solarium is totally enclosed. And then on, in addition, you have an indoor pool, which also... Um, you know, it's completely enclosed, although it has a retractable roof in there. But these are things that, again, make it so that, yeah, you can't go on the water slide, but you can't enjoy that. And obviously, water slides are outdoor uh, type activities. So, you know, not quite the same thing in terms of what it's going to offer there. Um, and looking at Odyssey of the Seas, which is the Quantum Ultra class ship, you know, I don't see 
Um, water slot. I'm literally looking at it right now. The the deck plans for it, and I don't see it on there as a option for the water slides. But again, to go back to what Royal Caribbean used to do not too long ago, you know, water slides weren't the end all be all. Now it will offer on 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 Odyssey. They will have the Splashaway Bay, which has like kitty water slides, but not you know the the perfect storm water slide, if you will. Um, so you know you have different different ideas, but again, doesn't mean that just because it doesn't have that one signature thing, it doesn't have anything for to do. That makes sense, I think. <laughs> Alright, next uh, email is from Michael, who writes, Hi Matt, I have been really enjoying your blogs and podcasts for the last few months. My family and I, nine of us, are cruising on alert in January. My question is, is there something similar to your podcast and blog for Celebrity? My wife and I are doing Alaska with Celebrity in July 2020. Michael, thanks for the email. I get this question fairly often. You know, people, does it, do, you, does, do you know of any other blogs or podcasts that specialize or focus on one particular cruise line or another? And other than Disney, uh, the answer is no. I know there's at least two different podcasts about Disney. And of course, you got the Disney Cruise Line blog by my good friend Scott Sanders, but that's not about celebrity. In terms of celebrity, I would there are two recommendations I have for you for celebrity. Number one is my good friend Billy from CruiseHabit.com. He takes a lot of celebrity cruises. Um, in fact, as we're recording this podcast, he's on Celebrity Edge. So you may find more celebrity-focused information over there. Uh, that's number one. And number two, Cruise Tips TV. Uh, Sherry, another good friend of mine, does. Uh, she covers the whole industry. But she has taken celebrity cruises before and has a really good, uh, I think, cornucopia of information about all cruise lines, including celebrity. And she has a YouTube. They do a podcast. They have a lot of YouTube stuff as well. So between the two of them, I think you'll have a... You'll have some good information. And, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Doug Parker from Cruise Radio. Another good friend of mine. We're all good friends. We all give each other group hugs, and we walk around holding hands, singing Kumbaya together, as, you know, as bloggers do, right? <laughs> That's not true. But uh, <laughs> Doug at Cruise Radio does a great job there. So I think between those three, you'll probably be able to uh, find some information about the itinerary, certainly about Alaska. My goodness, I learned everything I know about Alaska. I learned from Sherry. And Doug spent a lot of time over there as well. So you're, you're going to find, you know, if you can cherry pick some information across all three, I think you'll be able to uh, really be set up nice for your celebrity cruise there. Uh, next email is going to be coming to us from Donna Smith, who writes, Hi, Matthew, you demand Hotchberg. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of your show. Love your energy. Look forward to your weekly updates and absolutely loved the show you do with your daughter on YouTube. We need much more of that. My question today is about crown and anchor status while cruising on a celebrity ship. I'm at platinum level now, 39 points. I want to cruise on celebrity. If I take a seven-night celebrity cruise, I understand that I'll automatically have 39 points on that celebrity sailing, but I will also gain the seven nights in my current Royal Caribbean crown and anchor points, going from 39 to 46, since I'm a Royal Caribbean sister line. Hope this makes sense, and I'm anxious to hear back from you so I can YOLO book it. Donna, thanks for the email. Uh, your understanding is not quite accurate. So here's how it works. You're, you cruise with, with Royal Caribbean. You're platinum. Cool. If you want to go on a celebrity cruise, you can do a one-time status match where you say, you know, we've cruised the Royal Caribbean. I want to have the equivalent status with celebrity with celebrities uh, uh, Captain's Club. Yeah, that's the name of it. And they will honor the equivalent status at that time. It's a one-time thing. So what that means is when you go on your first celebrity cruise, you don't start at 39 points. You start at zero. But, but they will honor your status, that your equivalent status in Captain's Club, until the time in which you accrue enough celebrity points to go beyond that. Now, what that also means is, the flip side is, let's say you go on one celebrity cruise, you get the equivalent status. Cool. 
Now you come back to Royal Caribbean and you cruise a bunch and you move up to like Diamond or Diamond Plus. Since you already did the status match before, you can't do it again. You can't say, oh no, now I'm Diamond, I want to move up to the next level in Captain's Club that way. It doesn't work that way. So it is a one-time thing. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, the only reason not to do the status match is if you know you're going to do that scenario where you're taking one celebrity cruise and then you're going to take, you know you're taking a bunch of royal cruises and you're going to move up with this, the ladder quickly, but I don't think it's really worth it. But the bottom line is, yeah, you'll accrue status, you'll accrue points back at zero from celebrity, but still retain that elevated status until such a time you accrue enough points in the Celebrity's Captain's Club to move up. Man, I hope any of that made any sense. It, it did in my mind as I was explaining it, but thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Mark who writes, Royal Caribbean has so many customers in Israel. Why are there no cruises out of any ports in Israel? A few years ago, Vision of the Seas based in Israel, but this is a very old and small ship. People almost didn't want to cruise on it. All other ships departing from Radiance Class and up will be very highly appreciated in Israel. Well, thanks for the email and uh, shalom to you. Uh, that's a good question. I Honestly, I don't know enough about the Israeli cruise industry to be able to, to let you know. Here's the bottom line. I think number one, the thing that's not helping the Israeli cruise industry has been the political instability in Turkey. Historically speaking, cruises that visited Israel would largely be based also in Turkey, meaning they would leave from, you know, either Italy or uh, somewhere else. But the, the majority of the ports were going to Turkey, and then they would include usually, uh, you know, maybe two ports in Israel, one in Ashdod and one in Ashkelon. And that's about it, right? Uh, maybe Haifa if you're lucky. But anyway, the point is that you, you know, it was mostly a Turkish a cruise to Turkey with some ports in Israel. Now, to your point, you know, why aren't there more that, that start or stop there or visit more in, in, primarily in Israel? Uh, you know, I could sit here and, and speculate about it, but I don't know any definitive information as to why uh, that would be the case. I know that they are popular choices, but they tend to be more, for Royal Caribbean anyway, tend to be a little more exotic itineraries. You know, what Royal Caribbean calls Holy Land cruises typically only go there maybe, you know, you'll, you'll only find maybe a couple per year at best that offer them. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there aren't any in 2020. I think I remember looking at that. Um, don't overlook also Celebrity Cruise Line. They also tend to offer more cruises to Israel than Royal Caribbean does, but it's one of those things where it just depends on the year and demand. And I, and I really do believe that you know, Turkey is the issue here because it's such a major focus of the itinerary that if, if everything in Turkey politically were to stabilize overnight and there was no longer, you know, issues with, with protests and, and violence, anything of that nature, that cruises to Israel would be more plentiful. But I think that's the nature of the beast that we're talking about, at least in the short term. Um, and that's not the answer you're looking for. It's not the answer I'm looking for. But uh, that's the best answer I've got right now. Let's move on to our next email, and it is from Steve, who writes, I'm currently on Grandeur of the Seas, enjoying the wonderful water views from the main dining room. Yes, I'm on my phone during dinner. Consider it my confession. I'm traveling with someone who asked me a question, so I thought I would turn to the expert. She asked me what happens if a family books a cruise for one cabin, and one of the travelers is unable to make the cruise. Do they need to contact Royal Caribbean, or is it okay for those who are traveling to just let the agent know when they check in? Thanks for all you do to make cruising with Royal Caribbean so easy. Steve, thanks for the email. I hope you enjoyed your dinner there in the main dining room. And uh, the answer is it doesn't matter. You don't have to let them know. I've done this before, in fact. Um, I booked cruises where uh, I knew full well someone in my party was not coming there. Uh, I've done this before. The example is it'd be me and, like, one example, I booked me and my daughter in a room, knowing my daughter would not be coming. The reason why I did it was because it was cheaper to book a double occupancy room, like with two people, than to book the room alone solo. 
it's the weird Royal Caribbean booking engine and math that made that the case. Anyway, long story short, um, yeah, you don't have to let them know. So if somebody isn't going to show up there, you don't do anything special. The only thing that you, I mean, the only reason you'd want to maybe make the change, obviously, is if you know like six months in advance, well, you may be able to get some money back out of it, right? But if you, someone no-shows to the cruise, what will happen is you're going to get uh, your taxes and port fees refunded automatically. You don't have to worry about that. But you don't get the, the cruise fare refunded. So as long as you understand that, there's nothing you have to do. You, don't, you just check into the cruise, and they'll say, oh, where is, you know, uh, Mary? Well, Mary's not coming on the cruise. It's just going to be me today, Steve. Okay, no problem. They won't even know. In fact, you can also take this one step further, and you said, what if you both show up different times, right? You're living in Florida. Your family is coming in from a different state, and they're coming in later. You can still check in before they do. Even if you're in the same room, it doesn't matter. Um, just let them know out of that. So hopefully that answers your email uh, over there. And um, definitely getting some weird looks from people walking by. <laughs> like, what is this guy doing here in Central Park talking to himself? Uh, <laughs> next, we have an email from John who writes, Hey, Matt, love the blog and the podcast. Here's my question. My wife and I have been on two cruises, from both from Galveston, and we sailed on Mariner before her upgrades about seven years ago. Then, for some reason, we waited to cruise again and sailed on Enchantment of the Seas this past July. We want to try a larger ship next, but there's so many ports that it can be overwhelming. What port would you recommend to try a larger ship that's more cost-effective? We live in Texas, so we'd have to fly. We would love to travel in the summer. Thanks for any advice. Uh, John, thanks for the email. Interesting question. Uh, number one, if you live in Texas, I mean, you shouldn't be overlooking Liberty of the Seas. Liberty is a fantastic ship, and being in Galveston as well, you're not making a mistake by going on her. Um, it's a Freedom-class ship. Uh, they, they have some really nice features on board. She's getting a major refurbishment in 2021, I think. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't overlook that, especially if you can save money on airfare. That'd be, like, the first thing I would I would look at. But number two, if you are willing to fly, then I would tell you you should look at an Oasis-class ship. I mean, if you want to go, you got to go big or go home. That's what they say, right? And, and when it comes to Oasis-class, yeah, no matter which one it is, John, I would look for the best value. The ports you're visiting are in the Caribbean are going to be pretty universal, um, you know, in, in terms of you're not going to, like, you know, some crazy exotic ports on one ship versus another. You're really talking about Western Caribbean ports, you know, uh, Cozumel, Costa Maya, Roatan, Grand Cayman. Oh, Grand Cayman, you won't be doing it on Oasis class because you have to tender. But, uh, you know, on the eastern side, you've got St. Thomas. Um, you know, you've got Perfect Day Coco Key as well. So uh, if I if it were me, I might look at, you know, if you're willing to fly Oasis class, otherwise look at Liberty out of your backyard. I mean, it's still out of Galveston. You're not compromising. It's a big ship, bigger than Mariner, certainly bigger than Enchantment. And I think you'll like that uh, quite a bit. So uh, next we have mail from Jenna writes, first of all, thank you so much for all your helpful content. My husband and I love watching your YouTube videos and I love listening to your podcast while I'm out walking with the kids. I saw your post about 2022 deployment and wondering if you knew whether cruises to Lalapa will be available. My Google search told me it should be open sometime in 2022, so not sure if that means early or late. Jen, that's a really good question. I don't know definitively yet. They haven't really said anything beyond just 2022. So I'd be guessing, to to be honest with you, beyond that. Um, yeah, it, there's not a whole lot more information there. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, Royal Caribbean announced a couple months ago a new perfect day uh, location in the South Pacific in Vanuatu known as Lelapa. I'm sure, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Lelapa? Lelapa? Anyway, it's in the South Pacific. It's in Vanuatu. If you know where that is, then you're all set. And if you don't, Google is your friend, my friends. <laughs> and they haven't released any details other than it's opening in 2022, it's going to be in Vanuatu, and it's going to be very eco-friendly. Beyond that, we know very little about it. 
So, uh, yeah, that's the best answer I can give you. Next email is coming to us from Stephen, who writes, Love your podcast. I convinced my sister and husband to join my wife and I on a cruise on Alert of the Seas in February 2020. We're Diamond members, but they are cruising together for the first time. We're looking forward to showing them a great time, and your podcast is a huge help. At Coco Key, we're planning a relaxing day at South Beach. I've been treated for a basal cell carcinomos, carcinomos, I hope I didn't butcher that one, and my sister from melanoma. We're both fine, no worries, but shade is important for us. I know you recommend a cabana, but we're looking for something a little less expensive. I've heard conflicting reports on beach umbrellas. Some sources say they cost 20 to 30 bucks. Other sources say the umbrellas are free. Can you tell me what Kokoki offers him as a shade on the beach? The umbrellas are totally free, dude. Um, I think what people are talking to you about are the clamshell umbrella. So a table umbrella, you know, one that's got a point in the ground and comes up, you know, your stereotypical umbrella, that's free. But there are clamshell umbrellas, which are more encompassing. They provide a lot more shade. That's probably what you're thinking of or people are probably recommending to you. And those do have additional costs. I don't know the exact price, but uh, you're, you're probably, I don't think it'll be more than 50 bucks. And you can fit two people in there comfortably. And that might be a good option as well for you in terms of shade. The other thing also, there's some a lot of complimentary areas. As an example, Captain Jack's, which is a bar area, has a lot of shade, a lot of seating. And you don't have to buy it. You don't have to buy anything if you don't want to. So you might consider that as another option. Maybe walk around and see what's there. Um, obviously, if you want to do the clamshell thing, they're called beach loungers. If you want to look it up on the Cruise Planner website, um, those are an option. I think those are the ones that cost extra, but there are plenty. If you, you know, an umbrella is fine. Again, I think it's more about, you know, given your condition there, what you're more comfortable with, what you're looking for, and what's going to be more conducive for your particular, you know, situation. But uh, there are plenty. If there's one thing they've done a great job with Perfect Day Coco Key is providing a ton of, sh- of umbrellas and chairs. Uh, it doesn't cost anything extra to use them. They're already set up. You just simply grab them and you're good to go. Um, but again, I don't want to scare you away from taking advantage of some of the natural shade you will find in terms of the buildings and areas. If you just simply want to be outdoors, not necessarily in the water, but just outdoors and enjoying it, Captain Jack's is really nice. But again, if you're looking for something cheaper than a cabana, the clamshells may be another a nice way to splurge a tiny bit without really breaking the budget. So, there you go. It's time for one more email here, and then I think it's been about 20 minutes since I've eaten something, so I'm going to go find something to eat here. <laughs> That's a joke. And uh, our email, last email today is from Katie Wilhelm, who writes, Hi, Matt. Started listening to your podcast last spring after I booked a cruise to Cuba for my husband and I. This is my husband's first cruise ever and my first time on Royal Caribbean. I cruised Norwegian a really long time ago. My husband has never was never interested in cruising until the opportunity to sail to Cuba came along. As you know, Cuba's out, and we're heading to Mexican ports of Costa Maya and Cozumel. We're departing uh, pretty soon, and the closer we get, the more my husband is dreading it. He's concerned about the, our safety and not sure if he wants to get off the ship. We were reading reviews of the port of Costa Maya and just reinforced his desire to stay on the ship. While Mexico isn't a location we would, we would have picked, I would like to make the best of it. So I need your help. Please help me convince my husband that these ports are not any more unsafe than the average American city and help us decide if we should get off the ship in Costa Maya. P.S. We know the change in itinerary was not Royal Caribbean's fault and we'd appreciate it how, and we appreciate how it was handled and also I really like to I really like to podcast and appreciate all the knowledge I've gained. Um, I would like to become a member but I'm not a fan of monthly commitments. Is there any way I can make a one-time contribution? Thanks for all your help. So I'm going to go backwards in your questions here. Number one, yes. Um, so what Katie's talking about, she's aware of the Royal Caribbean blog Insiders, 
which is a monthly contribution in which you can donate, you know, anywhere from one to hundred dollars a month and make monthly donations and help support what we do here. But to Katie's point, she just wants to make a one-time thing, you know, like a tip jar kind of thing. And yes, we do offer that. If you go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash donate, you can make a one-time donation there. Simple, super simple, easy. And Katie, I do appreciate that support. It means a lot to me. So let's answer your question. First of all, Mexico is much safer than you think. Uh, especially when we're talking about the port cities of uh, Cozumel and Costa Maya. You know, you'll probably read a fair amount of negative uh, information about Mexico in general and certainly some of the issues they're having over there. But that is primarily limited to... Well, not limited, but it's outs- it, it's more interior. It's more um, away from where the ports are. When we're talking about Cozumel and Costa Maya... I mean, it is the middle of nowhere in terms of any of these issues. There's no issues there. It's very safe. I have gone to both ports dozens and dozens of times. I've been to Cozumel. I mean, just, it's probably the port I've been to the most. Um, never an issue there. I would, Katie, your, your uh, analysis of it is quite correct. In fact, Costa Maya is also very safe. Um, you know, people, first of all, ignore online reviews, but people write online. I mean, there's probably negative reviews about your hometown in there and why it's awful and you should never live there. <laughs> doesn't mean it's actually accurate, right? Uh, that being said, I think when it comes to Mexico uh, visiting on a cruise, I think you're very, very safe doing it. I wouldn't. It never even crosses my mind when we visit any of these ports. Oh, Jesus, this is a really good idea, right? We've been all over Cozumel. Cozumel is an island, first and foremost. So if you never leave the island, you're pretty well insulated. If you go to the and even if you are going to the mainland, like you are in Costa Maya, Costa Maya is literally in the middle of nowhere. It's called. Is it a town called Mahal Mahalwal? Uh, it, before about 10 years ago, it didn't exist. There was no cruise dock there. It was just a little podunk town, and somebody in the cruise industry decided to build a port there so they could take advantage of it. So, yeah, get off the ship. Enjoy it. You'll have a great time. But trust me when I say that when we're talking about the violence, if you look up any article, any news article about issues that Mexico may be having, it's not in Cozumel. It's certainly not in Mahawal. And, uh, yeah, you're, you'll have a great time on there. Cuba is amazing. I, I do. Uh, I agree. I would have loved to have gone back there and go there one time. It's really cool. But uh, don't look at it as going to Cozumel or going to Mexico in general as a negative. You're going to have a great time there. A lot of fun. And I think you'll enjoy it. So, yeah, you should definitely tell your husband to uh, to suck it up, Buttercup. Have a have a cerveza. And everything is going to be a whole lot better once you get on. Once you get over there, I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. Thank you, Katie, and thank you to everybody for uh, this week's uh, episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. And of course, you can always send me your emails by sending it to Matt M A T T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.